turn in your Bibles with me to the book of Hebrews. <clears throat> Chapter 10. I was praying. You can turn me down in these monitors, please. I was praying about what to speak on this evening, and I planned to go in a different direction. And then last night, I was praying. I couldn't sleep very well, and this just kept on coming to me and kept on coming back to me. And I apologize to those of you that were at the ladies' Bible study because it's just going to be, I'm going to piggyback on that a little bit, but I just couldn't get away from it. But um, I'm going to speak tonight on the battle and the banner. We're going to start in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 through 25. It says, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more, as ye see the day approaching. Would you pray with me? Lord God, I just thank you for this opportunity, God. Thank you for the opportunity to come into your house, Lord, to praise your name. God, I just ask in these next few moments, God, that you would just come by your spirit, Lord, that you would just push me out of the way, God, and that you would speak to us for a little while, God, that you would just put your word in our hearts and that it would do an eternal work, God, that we won't leave like we came, God, that you will just your word would take root in our hearts and grow, God. I pray that you would just calm my nerves, God. Like I said, push me out of the way, and I pray that you would bind every hindrance out of this sanctuary tonight, God, and you would loose the Spirit of God in this place tonight. Lord, we just ask that you would come in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do. Amen. I'm just going to speak for a few minutes, very briefly, but... Um, it's already been mentioned that we are in a battle. And even this morning, throughout some of the, the things that happened this morning in our, in our service, there was just this emphasis on we're soldiers. Whether we like it or not, we're soldiers, and we are in a battle. And sometimes soldiers get weary and on the verge of doubt because their situation becomes a little bit overwhelming or unmovable. There comes a time in the life of every believer where they will face a battle. An attack on their faith will be made. And whether it's an inner battle or difficult circumstances arise, doubt will begin to creep in. This church that the writer of Hebrews was addressing was facing persecution and even imprisonment for being associated with Jesus. Some even ended up walking away from Jesus and abandoning their faith because of the persecution. 
But we see the writer encouraging the reader, don't forsake coming together. But exhort one another or encourage one another. Then there's this part, and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. The day, the day of the Lord is coming. It's coming soon. Right before the day breaks is usually the darkest, coldest hour. The days are becoming dark, and the night seems long, but the dawn is about to break. But right now, in this dark hour, our job as believers is to join together and encourage one another. Don't lose hope. Don't become discouraged. Hold fast. Get a death grip on your faith and don't let go. Don't let somebody or circumstance try to take it from you. For he is faithful that promised. Verse 24 says, consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. In other words, let me think about you. In the face of persecution, the writer says, consider other people. He doesn't say, look out for yourself, but rather take on the attitude, how can I help you live out this wonderful life that we've been offered through Jesus? Amen. Even in the face of discouragement, in the face of battles, in the face of persecution, let me think about what I can do for you to help you live your life unto God. When I encourage you, when I look out for you, I become strengthened as a result of that also. We're going to look at an example from an event that took place in the Old Testament. Just after God brought the Israelites out of Egypt, if you want to turn with me in Exodus chapter 17, I'll begin in verse 8. <clears throat> says, Then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out men and go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in mine hand. So Joshua did as Moses had said to him, and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And it came to pass when Moses held up his hand, that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy, and they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat thereon. And Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, the one on the one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua discomfited, means disabled, Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And the Lord said unto Moses, write this for a memorial in a book and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. For I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nisi. After the children of Israel had crossed the Red Sea, God had provided water and manna in the wilderness. 
and he brings them to a place called Rephidim. The word says, Then Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim. Rephidim in the original Hebrew simply means rest. According to some commentaries, Amalek or the Amalekites represent doubt. In Deut Deuteronomy 25, 17 through 19, the Bible gives more detail to this event. And we understand that the Amalekites came against the Israelites unprovoked. Meaning the Israelites, they did nothing to cause the Amalekites to want to attack them. They attacked them from behind and they attacked those who were feeble, faint, and weary. Context is important here because if you remember the verse in Psalms 105, 37, it says, He brought them forth, speaking, talking about brought them out of Egypt. He brought them forth also with a silver and gold, and there was not one feeble among them. So somewhere in between the great exodus from Egypt and Rephidim, some of the people became tired, discouraged, and feeble. Maybe you can relate. God has brought you out of your Egypt. He has brought you out of bondage. You've been redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus. And he brings you into rest. And then suddenly, doubt creeps in and starts to attack. Just for imagination's sake, if we replace Amalek with the word doubt and Rephidim with rest, the sentence would read, Then doubt came and fought with Israel in rest, or the rest that God intended for them. Doubt is the ultimate enemy of our faith. It's the first temptation we see in Genesis from Satan when he said to Eve, did God really say not to eat of the fruit? Doubt. When trouble comes, I thought you said this Christian life was better. When sickness hits, I thought you said you would be my healer. When plans fail, I thought you would provide. But thankfully, this isn't the end of this story. And no matter where you are tonight, it's not the end of your story either. Let's take a look at the rest of the battle, and I believe there are a few things that God wants us to learn from this victory. I want us to look at three points from this event. Number one, the whole army was strengthened by a few people pulling together. They all did their part. Joshua obeyed by going to fight. Moses obediently went on the top of the hill with the rod of God, and Aaron and Hur went with him. Aaron and Hur supported Moses, although they weren't in charge. Although their tagging along with Moses seemed insignificant at first, if they would not have went, the battle might have been lost. They didn't desire to grab the rod, thinking their hands were stronger, or they could be more efficient or do a better job. They just offered support to the one holding it. 
They recognized God had given Moses that authority, and it wasn't their job to take it. Ecclesiastes 4.12 says, And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him, and a three-cord and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. The enemy knows that there's power in unity. That's why he's constantly working to sow discord in the church, in families, among friends. The church is referred to as a body in scripture. And God's desire is that every member of that body be strong and work together. Ephesians 4:16 says, From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working, effective working, in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. The ESV version says it like this, From whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. We are stronger together. They were all in one accord in the upper room when they experienced one of the mightiest, mightiest earthly moves of God. The enemy knows that there is power in a church body that works together. And when we see Aaron and her's role in this battle, we see a picture of God's desire for the body of Christ. I don't have to be the one holding the rod. I don't have to be the captain of the army. But I can supply strength to those who are. But even before they held up Moses' hand, the first thing they did was pull up a stone for him to sit on. Which leads me to my next point. They anchored Moses on the rock. This was their first course of action. His arms were giving out, but first they needed to make sure his foundation was stable. Amen. He must be anchored in something. You may have the best of advice, but first we must make sure those in need are anchored in Jesus. When Aaron and Hur realized Moses was in need and the battle was at a critical point, they didn't analyze the situation. They didn't formulate a new battle strategy. They set him on the rock. We may have the best of intentions, but good intentions fail if they aren't anchored in Jesus. What does that mean? It means we seek him first. It means we're anchored in the word. It means we're anchored in prayer. And we're anchored in his promises. We seek him first before anything else because we don't know what God is working in situations that seem to be discouraging. He may be equipping you, teaching you, strengthening your faith and dependence on him by allowing you to go through this battle. Romans 8, 28, a very familiar passage to us all, and we know that all things work together for the good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. Be anchored in the word. 
His word keeps us grounded in the right perspective. We're less likely to waver in our faith. We are to be anchored in prayer. Jesus prayed in Luke 22:42, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. If Jesus had to pray for strength to follow God's will for his life, then how much more do we need to pray in order to follow the will of God for our own life? Jesus knew that he would go to the cross, and no one would want to face that. But he did for you and for me. But he needed God's strength to go through with it. When we're faced with the impossible, we can't do it alone. And it's in that time, alone with God, that he strengthens our spirit to walk out the will of God for our lives. And we are to be anchored in his promises. When the enemy comes in like a flood, remember, he is faithful to forgive us. He will never leave us. And he is coming again for us. He is faithful to forgive us. 1 John 1, 9 says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We know we serve a just God and he has to punish sin. But this scripture right here says he's also just and that he can do no wrong, that he has to forgive us when we come to him and repent. So just as he is just to punish sin, he is just to forgive us of our sins. So we don't need to let the devil lie to us and say we can't be forgiven or doubt that he can't forgive us because this scripture says he is faithful and just to forgive us. Thank you, Jesus. He said he would never leave us in Deuteronomy 31, 8. It says in the Lord, he it is that doth go before thee. He will be with thee. He will not fail thee. Neither forsake thee, fear not, neither be dismayed. In Matthew 28, 20, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. And he is coming for us. John 14, 1 through 3. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so... I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. We must be anchored in Jesus. Amen. Psalms 42, 6 said, He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. Psalms 61, 2 says, From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. Hallelujah. So they were stronger together. They anchored Moses on the rock. And number three, their surrender determined their success. Looking back at the battle, usually lifting up hands is a sign of surrender. 
And in this case, it was also, but not to the enemy, to the Lord. When our hands and our hearts surrender to the Lord, we give him total control, and he fights for us. Spiritually speaking, when our praise drops and we go from an attitude of surrender and gratitude to an attitude of wanting to take control again, then doubt begins to take over. You see, when we face the impossible, that's just what it is, impossible. Of course we doubt because we can't do it anyways. We never could. But when we give it to God, he makes the impossible possible. He led the children of Israel to the Red Sea so he could part it. There was an easier way, but he wanted to take them to the impossible so that he would be honored when he parted the sea and took out their enemy. He led them to the walls of Jericho, a strong fortress, an impossibility. But God made those walls crumble when his people offered up a shout of praise. Now I wonder if there's anyone here tonight that would offer up praise to God in the midst of their battle and watch him come through. Isaiah 59, 19 says, So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. That word standard can also mean banner. One commentator said in biblical times they would hold up a banner or a flag with a symbol representing their division, tribe, or clan. At the end of our passage in Exodus, we read, Exodus 17:14, And the Lord said unto Moses, Write this for a memorial in a book. Rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. For I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nisi. Jehovah Nisi, God is my banner. Or God is my victory. Let the enemy know that you stand under the banner that says Jehovah. You belong to him and he is the victor. And you are his Glory to God. Amen. Sister Kirsten, if you would begin to make your way up here. God told Moses to rehearse this in the ears of Joshua. When Joshua gets discouraged, when he gets tired, when he begins to doubt, when he gets aggravated with the ones that doubt that God will bring them into the promised land, he said, remember, remember what God did for us in Rephidim. Remember. Hebrews 10, 23, it says, For he is faithful that, prom that promised. You have a testimony. Rehearse it in the ears of those around you. Rehearse it to your children. He is faithful that promise. He needs to, the enemy needs to know that you stand under the banner of Jehovah God.
We all go through battles. We all get discouraged. It's funny that in the kingdom of God, things seem to be a little reverse sometimes. The weak shall be strong. The last shall be first. And surrender, when I surrender my doubt, my weakness, my impossibilities to him, then that's when the victory is won. Because, because I am trusting in him as God. He is the victor. He is my victory. If you would stand with me, I know it's short. I felt this in my spirit last night. I was praying, God, what do you have for me to say tonight? And I just felt like it was a word of encouragement. Don't give up. Don't lose hope. Don't doubt. Rehearse your testimony in the ears of those around you. Sister Kirsten, Harper needs to hear your testimony of healing through your eyes to know that he is a healer for whatever is going on in her body. David, your children need to hear that testimony. And when you were a little kid and God healed your back completely when there's sickness in our home, others need to hear your testimony when you were low and weak that he encouraged you, he brought you through, that he can fill you. I know he's real. I know he's real. There's people that I know that were in Pentecost that they believed in the move of the Spirit and they walked away from it. And I don't understand that. And I know sometimes some people give Pentecost a bad name because there's stuff that is not right that goes on. But I know it's real because I know what he did for me in my life. People need to hear your testimony. It's not because of me. It's not because of my strength, but it's all because of him. And I stand under him. I can't do it without him. If you need to be strengthened tonight in any way, if you've had any doubt creep in, maybe it's an inner battle. Maybe it's a battle outside that's come against you that you have no control over. The Amalekites attacked the Israelites unprovoked. There was no reason for it. Know that you stand under the banner of God. And He will bring the victory because He is faithful. He is faithful. He is faithful. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I just want to ask if you need encouragement, if you need God to strengthen you tonight, if you would just make your way to this altar and just let Him rain His presence down on you. Let Him strengthen you when you feel weak. 